Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Vanessa and I are so excited to talk to today's guest. We have Michael Anthony with us. Uh, Michael is an entrepreneur, a speaker, a coach, and advocate for survivors of childhood abuse. Um, Through Michael's work, he provides practical tools and advice for how to understand and overcome childhood trauma to get out of the vortex, which I'm very excited to talk to you about, and become the hero of our own story. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, for sure. It's my pleasure. So we always kind of start by asking a little bit of like an origin story question, right? Like how did you come to be who you are? How did you kind of get into this work or, or just find yourself in this place where you are doing the healing work that you're doing? Yeah, definitely. And look, I'll give you the elevator pitch version, right? So when I was four years old, my mother, who is a drug addict and alcoholic, uh, she actually cut off my right index finger. And, you know, that's baseline. My Mm -hmm. stepfather was super abusive. He'd kick the shit out of my brothers and I put me in the hospital multiple times Mm -hmm. and I never met my, my real father, uh, spent the majority of my childhood homeless and deep in poverty. Uh, in fact, by the time I was 10 years old, I lived with like 33, zero different families. Um, my, my grandmother adopted me when I was 12 and you'd be like, Oh, awesome. God's done. Great. Uh, but she's super old, racist white lady from a town in Tennessee. You never heard of, mm-hmm. um, I'm biracial. So obviously insert identity crisis. And, uh, mm-hmm. I got high for the first time when I was 12 drunk at 13 by 15, I was expelled from school for selling drugs. And I was doing that. I was selling drugs, breaking in houses, stealing cars, running with guns, running from the cops, the, the whole nine. And, Luckily, I got put into a last chance program. I still did not graduate high school. They, they handed me the diploma. They're like, dude, you just got to get the hell out of here. And so I'm in this position where I'm just trying to figure out life. I'm like, well, what's the solution for poverty? What's the solution for homelessness? What's the solution for abuse? And I was like, oh, it's money. It's got to be, right? What else would it be? And so I made a declaration myself. By the time I'm 21, I want to make $100,000 a year legally. And that part was super important. I have family in prison for life. I've been in handcuffs multiple times. And as of today, my three childhood best friends have been murdered. Mm. I saw the future. Mm -hmm. And so I got a job working at a, at a fast food joint and I became a general manager in training and had like 52 people under me at 18 years old. And, you know, I was starting to learn skills that would lead me to eventually at 21 landing a job with a fortune 10 company, no high school diploma, no college education. And I made wow. that hundred thousand a year. I made more than that actually. And then that thing that happens to people who have never had money happened to me and it destroyed my life. Mm-hmm. And I found myself by the time I'm heading into 25 and a half, I'm 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, cheating on my partners. And that's when I put a gun on me. Mm. I was just done. I was like, man, this fucking money did not fix this. Mm -hmm. So what's the point? 
and you know the the next day i'm in bed and again keep in mind it's like 11 o'clock in the morning 350 pounds i'm eating chocolate cake and watching the crossfit games and like if that's not rock bottom like i literally don't know what else is and and i i pick myself up and i go into the bathroom and i look at myself in the mirror and i remember being eight years old and the water company had come and turned our water off and it was blistering hot indiana fucking humid august sunny summer day and I go in the backyard and I take this little blue bucket. I walk across the street to our neighbor's house and I turn on the spigot on the side of their house and I steal water for the first time. And I remember in that moment being like, when I'm a grown up, this is not going to be my life. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't monetarily, I had everything, mm-hmm. but it was because I was still that hurt, voiceless little boy. And in remembering that, I looked in that mirror. And I said, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? Mm -hmm. And the words, no excuses, just results, just started like reverberating through my body. And 11, almost 12 years later, here I am talking to you today. Now, in that gap, there was a lot of work, therapy, Mm -hmm. group therapy, gestalt therapy, EMDR, CBT, NLP, personal development, going to conferences, reading the books, having a coach, being a coach, like all of the things, right? Nonstop ad nauseum, where I spent every penny, every waking hour, every moment of my life for a very long period of time, trying to figure out who the hell I was, trying to heal, trying to grow, trying to change. And now today I'm very fortunate to be able to be a leader in this space, to have these conversations, to impact the world and to ultimately hopefully hit my goal of ending generational trauma in my lifetime. So you said that you looked in the mirror and you had this memory of being eight years old. And before that, you kind of left us on the cliffhanger of having a gun in your mouth. Do you feel like, was that memory the catalyst? Like, what do you think the catalyst was for you to be like, I'm not going to do this. This isn't the road that I'm going to go down. Well, it was about 9,000 things that I'd done in my life leading up to that moment, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. think there was a singular, ex- mo- like I, really what it was, and I know this might sound odd to some people, but I was sitting there watching the CrossFit games mm-hmm. and I'm watching mm-hmm. these just incredibly strong people just mm-hmm. do shit that I'm like, I could do that too. And just getting fucking mad at myself. I was just so mad. I was an athlete all of my childhood. I could outrun any cop. I promise you this. <laughs> and, 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 I found, and I found myself here at 25, which is supposed to be the peak, not the peak of your life, but you're supposed to be in good shape here and being like, dude, you're wearing a size 4XL shirt and size 47 pants. There's mm-hmm. something wrong here. And that moment was just another one. It's like when the cup spills over. I was just like, the truth is I was just looking at my life right there in that presence and being like, I am so tired of my own bullshit. Mm. And, and the hard thing I had to reconcile in that moment was that everything disastrous happening in my life at that time was my fault. Mm-hmm. And look, I mm. get it. It's so easy to play the victim. I blame my parents, society, my neighborhood, my community, my school, fucking Obama. I blame everybody. It's everyone's (laughs) fault, but Michael's fault. 
-hmm. and look what that did. And in that moment, and look, this isn't about culpability. The bad things that happened to you as a child, those things are not your fault. Like I rationalize that. I understand that. But right now in this present moment, every decision or indecision, more importantly, that I'm making or not making, that's on me. And that's what that moment was. Just sitting at looking at it and going, all this bullshit, you could be having an amazing life. Your brothers won't talk to you. Your friends, all they ever want to do is party. You're destroying every relationship you've ever Mm -hmm. touched. You won't be honest about anything with anyone. So what the fuck are you going to do about it? And that's what that was. It was, it was effectively like, I don't have a better way to phrase it. It was like a coming to Jesus moment Mm, because I, what I understood probably more so than anything was, you know, when you grow up in traumatic childhood, like I had. And, and I don't think it's a race, but I've never met anyone in a crazier childhood than me. You know, I, I look at that and go, the reality is, what is the truth about childhood trauma? The truth is your identity is taken from you. Mm-hmm. That's like the depth of it. That's the part people don't talk about. And so, you know, the most dangerous thing I could ever do as a child was be myself. Yes, there was right. nothing more dangerous than that. So think about this. Your, your brain has one function, help you survive, mm-hmm. right? Help you survive. That's it. It has no other purpose. And so when you start to understand that your brain in your developmental years is evaluating your environment for stimulus that should point to this idea of, yo, maybe don't do that thing that makes you feel like a human being because you're going to get fucked up. You learn right. how to turn off and you become robotic. And that serves you like it really does because it's a parameter of safety and that works until it doesn't. And that's what started to really make sense to me. I was like, wait a second, the fear I have, the indecision I'm making all the times where I'm always like, Vanessa, I love your favorite band and Danae, I love your favorite restaurant. I promise like those things that is about the lack of identity. And Mm -hmm. so every single day I was hiding from the truth of the reality of who I am because that was safe. And that moment, let me ask you this though, do you think you were hiding or do you think you didn't actually know? No, I was definitely hiding. Cause look, here's the thing, like innately and inherently, I believe this. I don't know if it's true for everyone, but I believe this, that thing keeping you awake at night, when you put your fucking head on the pillow that you're not dealing with, that's your truth. Right. Yeah. And I had a lot of sleepless nights. So real. Yeah. I always say that about like, we don't forget the truth. We just get a little bit better at, you know, I say at lying to ourselves, but a lot of times I think that is what you're speaking to. I don't think we forget the truth of who we are, capital T truth. Um, and, and that is a little bit of that identity work that I, I feel like I hear you speaking to. Um, not going to lie, Michael, when I heard you talking about, you know, being my fault when you're, you're describing that level of childhood trauma, I, I winced a little bit. And yeah, so. I agree with you that um, I do think what happens to us in our childhood isn't our fault, but at some point it does become our personal responsibility to decide what we're going to do with our lives moving forward. Um, and so I guess I'm, I'm curious to hear what work you did or what work felt like the most profound for you in terms of reclaiming and getting into this work of understanding my identity as I've lost it? Yeah, I I think that's a lovely question. And people always wince because it's painful to hear, right? Mm. It's a hard reality. Um, I will say this, I didn't reclaim myself. How do you reclaim something that was never there? 
the earliest memories I have were being disallowed to be myself. And so I effectively had to, it's like going through this gauntlet, right? I was just always trying things to, is this who I am? Do I like this? Do I not like this? Mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, sexually, all the ways that a human being can exist Mm -hmm. and just trying to evaluate and understand something. I'm having a human experience and I don't have a baseline to know whether or not what I'm doing is actually who I am or something Mm -hmm. that I need to do to find out who I actually am because on the other side of it, that's where the truth will be. Mm -hmm. And so one of the really fascinating things about it is, you know, I look at my life as the person I am today and it is a realization of the idea of the person I could be. And I just kind of mapped out, well, maybe I can be this person one day if I just Mm. try these things. And you asked Mm. me, like, what was the thing that was most impactful? It was honestly, like, I did all the therapies. Like, if you go look at all my receipts for therapy, I got to bought like five houses. (laughs) Like, the the truth is, it was the actions Mm. I was taking every day that felt intuitive, like felt like they were through my, my heart, my core, my gut, my intuition. Those things are what has brought the most valuable value to my life because it's within those things that I've discovered the truth. And the truth is that I'm capable of doing anything. And that's the truth for everyone, but that does not come without facing fear. And that's the biggest thing that I discovered. When you face fear through taking action, your life will be different. Yeah. Because you can go to all the, I'm going to say something that's important that I learned the hard way. You can go to therapy all you want, but it's not going to help you if you don't take action. And my Mm -hmm. therapist told me something that changed my life forever. Change only happens when you make change happen. That's right. And that's the truth of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I literally was just having this conversation with a client last night. I was like, we can continue in a loop of having the same conversation every week for the rest of your life, if that's what you want to do. But I think ultimately we build self-esteem when we start to keep the promises that we make to ourselves. That is how we build a sense of self. I 100%. said that I was going to do this and I followed through. So every time you don't keep those promises to yourself, what you teach yourself is I can't trust me. Um, and so I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that has been true in my own life and what I have seen with everyone that I've worked with. So thank you for speaking to that. You know, I look at my life at 27 years old. I understood something. I had zero self-esteem, mm-hmm. none, because the only thing I'd ever done is let myself off the hook. So mm-hmm. when I say that all the things in my life were my fault, this is what it's about. So looking at it and going, how many more times are you going to fucking lie to yourself? Yeah. Right. And that's hard because look, it's easy. It's easy. And, and we can play this role where we're just like, I deserve not to take care of myself. Look how they treated me, but that's not going to lead anywhere productive in your life. That's going to just lead to this place where you're 72, 68, whatever, and you're on your deathbed and you have lived a life unfulfilled mm-hmm. and that's or barely lived a life at all. Yeah. 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 I like too, what you said about this idea that you you had a, you had a, I'm going to paraphrase, but it's like, you almost had a vision in your mind, or maybe it came more from an intuitive space of like who you wanted to be. And it was as if you used that as some kind of roadmap, like you worked towards this person that I know I can be. Um, and so I love that because I think that for a lot of people, when they first start doing this work, it, it is hard. Right. And it can be very disheartening. Um, it feels so big and so massive. Like I work with a lot of people who struggle with codependency. And one of the things I always say is that 
codependency work is identity work. They go hand in hand. And a lot of people always give me this face like, oh God, like that feels so big. But what I like about this idea of have a vision in your mind of a person that you are working towards is it gives you that light to follow. It does give you that roadmap. And so I I think that's actually a really great way to, to put it to people that are struggling in this work, you know? Yeah. And clarity is everything. Cause think Mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. If, if I told you drive from New York to LA, you get no GPS, no roadmap, no guidebook, no anything, you would Mm -hmm. not make it. Mm, no, you I wouldn't even got, make it out of New York. <laughs> yeah, you probably wouldn't. New York's a giant place, yeah. right? And and that's the thing people don't understand. Without without clarity, without being crystal clear about who you are and what you want, you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. And and I just looked at my life one day and I evaluated it and I just started going, what do I want? What do I not want? And mm-hmm. and this is for me, this is the secret of my life. Which until you understand it, I don't know that this will be that impactful, but I only do what I want to do. And I never do what I don't want to do. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and he's like, yes. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's a game changer. If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Um, yeah. I think absolutely that has been true in terms of, I think there's self-worth in that um, where it has been for me in that like, I deserve to design the life that I want. And if it's not something I really want to do, I'm not here for it. Yeah. And you're allowed to change your mind too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And I I think people get stuck in when they create their identity being like, Oh, this is who I am cut and dry done. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm literally not the same person I was last month. And I don't plan on being the same person next month that I am this month. I actually enjoy that process. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Like even over a decade deep into this work, like I'm asking mm-hmm. myself harder questions. I'm getting a different understanding of myself now than I ever have before. Mm-hmm. And I think there's levels to this. It's easy to go to mm-hmm. therapy. It's easy to go to coaching. Like, honestly, that stuff is easy. Mm-hmm. It really truly is. What's hard is the introspection that it takes to discover who you are, to create that, and then be willing to follow through on the other side to see if it holds true. Well, it's that follow through, right? I mean, it's like, I always say, it's like, we can read all the books we want. We can go to therapy all we want, right? It's like what you were saying about your therapist, like you have to do the change. You know, the the kind of way that I describe it is like, you have to do the thing that feels so uncomfortable. It makes you want to rip your skin off. And that thing might be saying no, it might be setting a boundary, it might be speaking up, it might be whatever, right? But for a lot of people that feels so uncomfortable that it makes them think I'm going to die. But if you don't do that thing that makes you feel like you're going to die, you don't actually have that change on the other side. And you don't start building that momentum to discovering that self. Yeah. But guess what? You're going to die anyway. Right. Exactly. Right. And that's the thing. Like like there is a 100% guarantee that every Mm -hmm. single person listening right now is dead. It's going to (laughs) happen. Sorry. I hate to break it to you. It's going to happen. But, and that's the thing. People live with this thought, like they're promised tomorrow. Tomorrow is not a guarantee. There is no, I might not make it through this sentence. Like I really think about that, right? right? I may not make it through this sentence. And the most terrifying thing to me ever is when I do die, they'll play a movie. That's not my life. Mm -hmm. And it's me doing Mm -hmm. all this shit I could have done, but I didn't Mm -hmm. because I was fearful. And that, again, that's just a life unlived. And I know we have fear. It's innate in us. Fear is survival. You need fear. You need it, but you also, in the same way it cripples you, 
it can launch you and catapult you into the stratosphere. Because on the other side of doing that thing that you know you so desperately need to do, when you stop arguing with yourself and you just go for it, your life will be very, very, very different. And, and ultimately, I think it's just, can you get to this place where, where you stop arguing with yourself? Just act. Like, like to me, I think about it like this. When you're a little kid and you go to the pool and you climb up the diving board and it's one of the high ones. You haven't been mm-hmm. off the high one before and you're like fucking seven. You're like, that shit's so high. I'm terrified right now. And you look down, but that kid right before you, like he just did it. Mm-hmm. If you're stuck, if you're like, I don't know what to do, just go find the person who has done the thing that you've already done and mm-hmm. model that because mm-hmm. that proves that it's possible. And then in that, when you find that person, you're still on the diving board, you're looking, he's like climbing up the rail and you're like, he did it. At some point you need to hold your breath and jump because the mm-hmm. only way you're going to find out is by taking the leap. That's right. Mm-hmm. Speaking my language, Michael, I love it. Um, so once you came to some of these realizations for yourself, how did you make that transition into deciding you wanted to support other people in this work? Um, that was entirely accidental. I think how these things often do happen. Um, so I'm a writer first, hmm. always. That's just who I am. Um, and so I was just writing a blog, just putting it out there. And I never had the anticipation that it would turn into anything other than something that I did that was cathartic for me. Um, and the more I wrote, the more people reached out. And then it started turning into people saying, Hey, that thing you wrote saved me. Mm-hmm. That changed my life. Hey, yeah. will you help me? Will you coach me? I was just like, I don't know, man, let's figure it out. Let's just go for it. And, you know, through that, I've been very lucky to have worked now with thousands of people and to have written a best-selling book and have a top-rated podcast and have spoken on some of the biggest stages in the world. But like it literally all started just because I was like, I'm going to write some shit. And maybe somebody like my brothers or my sister will read it. And that's it. And that was like six years ago. Wow. Yeah. God. What do you feel like? So now that you have coached people, do you feel like it's more story sharing or do you feel like you have specific techniques that you use? Like, do you, do you feel like there's tools that work with people that you give them? Or do you feel like you, you feel into it intuitively based on the person? Yeah. It just depends on the person, you know, and I don't, I don't do a lot of one-on-one coaching because it's, it's super intensive. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I limit the number of people that I do that with. So I think that the the most value really comes from, you know, people either listening to the podcast, reading a book or whatever. Um, but when I am with someone one-on-one, you know, w- what I try to do is, is very simple. We all have the answers, right? It's like the trick of coaching. I'm going to break it down for you guys. We all, ha- we all have the answers already. We just need someone to remind us of that, mm-hmm. right? And we need somebody to give us I don't want to call it permission because that often feels dismissive, but someone to give us the, a little bit of a nudge to mm-hmm. maybe we're on that diving board and that fucking kid you don't really like kicks you off the diving board <laughs> and then you're in it and then you're like, oh, it's not that bad. I didn't die. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll do it on my own terms next time after you punch that kid in the face because he's an asshole. Um, you know, and so, so, so coaching is very much simply, you know, for me, I just sit here like, Talk to me about what you want. Mm, yeah. Great. What are the roadblocks? Great. What do we have to do to combat that? Great. Where do you start? Great. You're in your own way. Perfect. Let me see if I can push you off the diving board. Mm-hmm. 
I love it. I love being the one that gets to kick and pull off a diving board. <laughs> you tell you do. <laughs> my, it lights me up. I do not. I'm like, listen, I know. go Today's off. Like, let me hold, hold your hand, hand gentle nudge. I'm your like, journey. I'm like, please take care of yourself. <laughs> Look, this in passing, this is funny, but in a serious way, at some point there are people who they, they come into coaching or they read the books or they go to therapy and they just go, well, I tried and it didn't work. Right. Right. And it's Which an we've out. All, I'm sure experienced. Of course. Yeah. I, yeah. I went to therapy yeah. for fucking like six years, paid this dude hundreds of dollars, never told the truth one time. So I get mm-hmm. it. This isn't the, this mm-hmm. is simple, but the reality is like the only time that your life is going to change is when you decide to change your life. Yeah. That's it. There's no other way. Honesty. It doesn't work another way. I'm sorry. It I doesn't. Love that. Stop <laughs> I waiting. You for, just put it out there. <laughs> stop waiting for Disney moment. They're not yeah. coming. Whatever this thing is that you're like, when that happens, everything will be dead. Yeah. Not going to happen. It's literally not going to happen. And you're going to die before it does. So you mm-hmm. might as well jump. Yeah. And in that fear that you have, we all, I'm scared right now. Yeah. Everybody is. Mm-hmm. But you can live your life. And then we live in a media that is filled with fear, probably in a greater scale than ever in history. Everyone's telling you, don't be a human. Don't exist. Don't hug your friend. Don't do all this stuff. That stuff seeps into you. Mm-hmm. And you're wondering why you can't quit the job that you hate. Mm-hmm. Make a decision. It's so funny to be a therapist and so strongly agree with what you're saying. Sometimes I get to the point where I'm a little bit like, I don't know that you're ready for therapy because I too was that person mm-hmm. that went to therapy for years and would lie to my therapist. And it's like, I mean, you can spend your money. <laughs> I feel like you're just wasting your time, my time where you don't feel... Um, doesn't feel like you're you're really here for this yet, but um, I'm curious since you were talking about the media, what you have been or how you've been holding this time in history. Um, whenever I find someone inspiring, I, I kind of like to hear their two cents on just this moment in history that we've been living through. How have you been holding this for yourself or understanding it? Yeah, it's been the greatest two years of my life. Mm. Like yeah. for real, I've done, I've done, I've accomplished more in this two years than I have in the last twenty. Period because I was going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. I already decided there's always going to be another COVID and I got COVID that shit sucked. Right. I, I get it. Like it happens. Right. But there's always going to be another COVID, another tsunami, another nine 11. I know that's a terrible reference, but it's true. There's always going to be the next thing that mm-hmm. you can use as an excuse. It's always going to come. The next one's happening right now. Inflation. Gas is $4. Great. I grew up in the 90s. Like, it's fine. Like, the truth is, like, you have the ability right now in this moment to create the life you want to have. Whatever that thing is that I think about at night that keeps me awake, I just go and do it. And so the last two years have been phenomenal spoke on the biggest stages I've ever spoke on, have the mentor I always dreamed of having because I've made enough money in business to be able to afford the guy, which is crazy expensive. You know, I've been super (laughs) successful in building relationships and friendships and getting deeper into my own personal work and asking myself harder questions and a deeper scope of growth. And all that comes with because you can sit here and you can consume yourself with the social media and the 
fear tactics and get the vaccine, don't get the, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Like that shit's never going to go away. There's always going to be, we've had SARS, we've had Desert Storm. Like we lived through like depressions before it's going to happen again. Mm -hmm. And so this is off putting to people because they're like, oh great, you had a great life. Guess what? I'm not alone. There's so many people who spent the last two years doing something incredible because they made a decision. That's all this is. Like, I, I wish one time I want to do a podcast and I want somebody to go, how do you change your life? And I'm go decide. And then end the podcast, <laughs> that's what I want. Because look, it's not that I don't have fear. It's not that I haven't struggled in the last two years. It's not that getting COVID and being hospitalized three times didn't suck majorly. Cause I promise you it did. But, but the truth is the reality is like, if you're still breathing, you still got time. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the difference that makes it feel like the, the fear feel insurmountable to people? Um, versus they're worried about tomorrow. Hmm. They're worried about tomorrow. They're so consumed with tomorrow and what your opinion is and what their opinion is. And they're asking everybody what they should be doing. And so the fear is just compounding because here's the truth. Again, the human brain, we know this is really about survival. Mm -hmm. So when you're up here in your brain and instead of in your heart and you're making your decisions up here in this heady space, your brain just wants you to be safe. Mm -hmm. That's it. So it's weighing out all the worst case scenarios. I mean, if you're type A like me, you go and you pull up your spreadsheet, you start writing out columns and you go, this is the worst (laughs) thing that'll ever happen. And that's the best thing that'll ever happen. And then you get stuck and you're paralyzed because the fear has taken over. But when you operate through your heart and you go, I'm going to trust myself, I'm going to trust this instinct, I'm going to trust who I am, and I'm going to learn something, even if I mess up or I fail, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's this beautiful space for growth. But I think one of the things that's really important, you also have to carry with you in this understanding is that the people around you, even though they love you, should not be interjecting in the decisions that you're making in your life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's not that you can't parlay and have conversation and exist with them and, and have a back and forth and make meaning of experiences. But like, I'm not going to ask either of you what I should be doing today it has nothing to do with you, <laughs> your judgment of me, your, your, your hate of me, your, whether you love me or hate me or in between has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Like there's people who hate me, have nothing to do with me. There are people who want to cancel me, nothing to do with me. People love me, nothing to do with me right? Mm -hmm. The reality is when you're acting in life through the scope of your heart and you're trusting yourself that you are making the right decisions, you will never be wrong. Mm -hmm. And that fear that you fear, it's fear. You're fearing fear. Mm -hmm. Trent Shelton, one of my favorite people of all time, I love this man dearly, goes, you can face everything and rise or you can face everything and run. Mm -hmm. And that's fear. How do you hold yourself then? You know, I'm curious to know, like you, Michael, you have a quote unquote failure, you fall, you quote unquote, don't make the right decision. How do you hold yourself in that? Well, I I love that question. I think that's a beautiful question because I've come to the understanding of this. What is happening right now in this present moment is the only thing I can control. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, If you really think about what I'm about to say, the three of us together right now have never done this. This has never happened in the history of the world. 
ever. We have nothing to predicate whether or not this is going to work, Mm -hmm. but we do it anyway. And when we mess up, which we will, because I'll go back and be like, man, I shouldn't have said that. Or you'll be like, oh, I wish I'd asked that question. Mm -hmm. What you come to understand in that is this, you're having a human experience and nobody knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And we destroy ourselves all the time all the time because one we're holding ourselves to something that's insurmountable like this insurmountable pressure of perfection where it's like if i don't do everything this exact right way people judge me and i make mistakes then i'm forever going to be remembered as a person who sucked at life Mm -hmm. right but when you sit in this and you look at it and you just simply acknowledge the truth of the reality of what's happening right now nobody knows what they're doing Nobody does. There's no game book for this. There's no rule book for this. There's no laid out step-by-step instructions about how you're supposed to exist. And could there be other dimensions? Sure. I don't know, but we're in this one. And this is the first time I've ever been this. This is the first time I've ever been Michael. And Michael's going to fuck up and make mistakes and use himself in the third person unintentionally because he's trying to make a point <laughs> and be like, oh my God, why I just do that? And in that, the thing that's going to happen is I'm going to learn something. And so while people will evaluate themselves based on their failure and destroy themselves, I will look at failure and go, didn't know that about myself. Yeah. And it's a different experience because I understand that I don't know what I'm doing and I'm going to mess up. I'm going to break people's hearts. I'm going to hurt people. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to do things out of character, even though I said, I'll never do that thing again, because I am a human being figuring it out in real time. And so- what I really try to hold on to is recognizing that this present moment, this is reality. Mm. 30 seconds ago, it's gone. I can't, it's gone. I can never do anything about it. And five seconds from now hasn't happened yet. So what the fuck am I going to do about that? The only thing I can do is be here right now with you and understand that we are infallible in an unbelievable way. And if we would just take it a little bit easier on ourselves and give each other the grace to fuck up, like the world would honestly be a much easier place to live in. But instead, we're expecting everyone to be perfect all the time or canceling every time. Everybody makes a mistake. You're getting canceled right now. And again, that's more fear. So people aren't operating in life because they're so worried about speaking the truth because you might not like them and destroy everything they've tried to create. And the reality is if you could just be in this right now and just understand the truth that everybody's fucking up all the time anyway, mm-hmm. your life will be a lot simpler. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're very young to be such an old soul, Michael. My God. Um <laughs> So I'm curious to know, because you were talking about some of your relationships, how have your relationships changed? Um, are you still connected to your siblings? But, um... Yeah, I was wondering that too. Yeah, well, a great question. My, one of my brothers, when I think I was 24, was like, don't ever talk to me again. Mm-hmm. Like, shit, fuck that up. And uh, last, last month, I took my brothers to unleash the power within with Tony Robbins. right and we talk to each other every day we're growing and building and bridging the gap that was left for us by our parents every day and it's beautiful it's incredible right and a lot of that I think comes with age but you know growing up in our home we were pitted against each other love was earned 
you had like, and then worse, like love often carried pain on the backside. It was like, how much could you hurt each other to be the one who got attention? Like, you know, it's chaotic. It's that family system. It's that kind of dynamics. So, you know, to, to be able to reconcile with them, our experiences and to forgive each other and to, to love each other unconditionally and to, to be on a personal development mission together. It's like, it's fucking beautiful. Mm, So beautiful. Well, you are a gift. I must say, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you are here and I'm grateful that you have put your story out there. And I wonder, um, can you tell us a little bit about, well, the book and the podcast have the same name, but tell us a little bit about the book, people who are like curious and might want to pick it up. And then tell us a little bit about the podcast, like what kind of guests do you have on, you know, what kind of conversations do you have, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I wrote Think Unbroken because it was the book that I thought I needed when I'd started this mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it felt like personal development often leaves a lot of space. Mm. And I thought, well, why don't I give people the space to make meaning of what they just read in real time? And so it's part journal, part workbook, part coaching, part book. It's not about me. I mean, the preface is because, well, context, but the rest isn't. The rest is tools. And now that book's a few years old. And I wrote a second book called Eight Steps to Healing Your Inner Child. And now I'm working on my third and fourth book. That'll come out eventually this year. And I'm going to write a book every single year till I die, probably two, because I'm chaotic like that um and then <laughs> Anti-pay, the thing, like you said <laughs> yeah and the think unbroken podcast is very simple i tell people all the time if you come listen to that podcast there's no reason to ever have to go and buy a thing or go to a seminar that i do or or anything because i give everybody everything mm-hmm. because this is it this is what i talk about clarity my mission is very simple in life in generational trauma in my lifetime and i believe that you do that through access of information and so I have guests on who I believe can bring value to the world. I don't, I don't have people on who just want to like talk for the sake of talking. Like you got to walk out of that with something practical. And I even open the show. I tell people like, sit down, get out a pen and paper. Cause we're about to go to work. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm. I mean, the therapist <laughs> means a little bit. Like, somebody just like, <laughs> I'm like, so how are you balancing <laughs> your self-care? Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I get up at five o'clock the in the morning. This in me is feeling like you're well, ask, the qu- ask the question. Um, so what do you feel like you do to refill, to balance out um, just the amount of output and the amount that you are obviously of service in the world? What do you do to refill your cup? Great question. Really glad you asked. I only do what I want to do and I never do what I don't want to do. Love it. So Very basically simple. in that process, what you're saying is that you don't deplete your cup because mm. anything you're doing is a yes from your If I woke up today and I was like, I don't want to ever do Think Unbroken again, I just delete everything I'd be done. I only do it like, seriously, I'm not being crass. I'm not being far-fetched in this. Like I only do what I want to do. And so, but there is system, right? I need to take care of myself. And, you know, I wake up before everybody else wakes up and I take time for me. That's for me. Cause I can work all day, all night. I'll, I mean, I've, I've taken like three days off. If I didn't get COVID, I would have taken no time off this year. Cause I don't need to, yeah. I don't need to like, to me, balance is, are you living life on your terms? You need a vacation. Cause you hate your life. <laughs> You're trying to escape your reality. I'm going to go to the beach for five days. Great. What are you going to do for the other 360? I just, right. I'm, so, I'm laughing because I feel so seen because I'm like, I don't feel burnout. I love what I do. Like I, I don't believe in burnout. Like, I'm sorry. I know people are going to hear this and go, that's your trauma. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe in burnout very simply because I don't do things that I don't want to do. 
I'm not involved in interactions that take from me. You're exhausted because all you're doing is being taken from. You're going to a job you hate in a relationship you don't want to be in around people you don't even like driving a car you can't afford because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses because you think it makes you fulfilled. And the only thing I'm ever trying to do is be fulfilled first. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah. Do I get up earlier than you? Yeah. Do I read more books than you? Yeah. Do I do more podcasts than you? Yeah. But I don't waste my time on shit that doesn't matter. You're not going to catch me scrolling Instagram all day. You're not going to catch me on Netflix all night. It takes me five days to watch a movie. (laughs) It really does because I'm spending all my time doing the thing. Like, here's what's really cool about life. If I wanted to right now, I could get on a plane and go anywhere in the world and not ask anyone's permission to do it because I live on my terms Mm -hmm. and everyone is capable of doing that, but you have to decide to do it. And so when you're, when you're facing burnout, like people love to be like, oh, I'm so burnt out. I'm exhausted. I got to do all these things. No, you don't. You don't have to do anything. You've convinced yourself that you do, that you do. And you use that as an out. And that you have to come to recognize is going to be the thing that defeats you. You have so much agency. You do. It's right here. You just have to take it. You just have to. We live in a culture, though, that like convinces us that we don't, right? Because if what does that have to do with you, though? Right, but if we're convinced (laughs) that we don't have agency, then we're going to comply and do the thing that we don't want to do, right? Because we don't think we have agency to say no, and that is that's some really deep wiring, some bullshit that you know, like when I, as somebody who worked in the corporate world for a long time, yeah, I was burnt the fuck out. You're right, I didn't think I could say no, and of course, that's not the truth but I was pretty fucking convinced that was the truth. Right. And a lot of people around me had convinced me of such. Now I did get to a place where I said, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. Change my career. I left and I fulfilled myself, but it took me 10 years to do that. You know? Yeah. So let, let me ask you this though. Did you have to hit the rock bottom in order to make that decision? Pretty much. Yeah. So think about this. How do you mitigate that in the future going forward? You, well, you act through your heart and you, <laughs> yeah. well, you act through your heart and you face the fear of that moment and mm-hmm. say, I cannot be in this because all it does is take from me. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the, the, again, this comes back to what we're talking about. All of this impact of the outside world, raining this negativity down on us and this culture of go and show up, have the college, go to, go get in debt, go work this job, be miserable. That's not going away. As long as we live in this country, like that is mm-hmm. never going away. That's and right. so you have to turn it off. And, and look, I did too. I worked in corporate America for six years for a Fortune 10 company where they monitored our bathroom break time for analytics and metrics. Right. So we had That's our real. bonuses based on that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I did that until I hit my rock bottom also. But I can promise you this. Part of it, I go, well, you have to have the experience of rock bottom because you kind of mm-hmm. need to know what you're capable of not being willing to take anymore to know what right. you're willing to have. And the other part of me goes, but wait, if we can really instill the belief into people that they are allowed to just to choose the life they want to have, you don't have to have rock bottom. You don't have to have that moment. That's a scary thought to corporate America though, friend. Like that just shakes everything up and I'm here for it. I am here for it. But like you said, we live in this country. It is, <laughs> I don't I know do. if that's going to happen. But I do see that there's, there's shifts and there's a lot more people that are aware of this as a matrix, as you were speaking to. And, you know, I was just having a conversation with my mother the other day about my four-year-old. And she was like, well, when he goes to college, I was like, if he wants to go to college and she was like, he wants to go what? And I was like, 
I have no interest in dictating <laughs> what his journey but is. This going is to a look generational like. thing, right? Like I really do totally. believe it starts a lot with us, like with this kind of maybe like even forties, depending on where you're at in your life and thirties. And like, we're the ones that are changing because now we're in the position of being the boss. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, I know that when I was in a director level, I was managing my team very different than my boss was managing us. And it came a lot from this. It came a lot from like, you're allowed to say no, you're mm-hmm. allowed to have boundaries. We're not saving lives. There's no reason to cry. Go the fuck home. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Like this is how I managed my team. And guess what? I still got everything done that I needed to get done. But I do think generationally, we, as the bosses, we, as the ones setting the precedent are changing things. And then you have Gen Z that are totally not here for all the bullshit that we've been dealing with. God bless them. And I think that you're going to see the shift continue to happen. Yeah. Cause I think we're in a generation where it's just like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not living to work anymore. Yeah. I'm working to live. I'm not living to work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, even now I have 50 people under me. I don't, I, here's the only thing I know. I'm going to have a text at some point when I pick up my phone today that they don't fuck something up. Right. <laughs> I just know that because there's 50 people who work for me. Yep. Great. Okay, cool. Well, how do we solve that problem? What do we need to do to, to rectify? Great. Right. Nobody died. Hopefully nobody right. died. But chances are nobody died, right? And so, you know, you, you think about it. I, I do look at our generation. I'm glad we're doing that. I look at the kids coming under us and I'm like, some of them have it right. Some of them have it wrong. But that's human experience. We're, some of us, we're right, we're wrong. I don't know. We'll figure it out yeah. as we go. But but ultimately, you know, I, I do think that the the greatest thing that we can do is just learn to say no. Like, you don't have to go to college. If I went to college, I'll tell you exactly what it happened. I'd have five kids. I'd be $400,000 in debt. And I'd probably still be working at Wendy's. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm more studious than anyone I know with a college degree. I have more continuing education credits than anyone with a college degree, even though they don't technically count because I don't have a college degree, which is nonsense. That's another conversation. But, but the thing is, like, I bury myself into education and information because mm-hmm. I, I recognize that you know, formal education, like it's just not for some people. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason I didn't graduate high school is I was reading Hamlet when I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. By the time I became a senior in high school, I don't want to read that again. And part of that is just because I only want to do what I want to do. Just love it so much. <laughs> um, that note. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I feel like we could listen to you riff forever, Michael, but um, we have some questions that we ask all of our guests that we want to spitfire with you. So the first one is, um, who have been your greatest mentors, teachers, whether people, you know, or not that have impacted your journey up to this point? Yeah. Um, you know, my, my high school business teacher, Mr. Bush failed me my senior year of high school. And I walked up to him and I was like, why'd you fail? me?" And he goes, I didn't fail you. You failed yourself. And he looked at me and he said, the thing you need to understand about life is you're not going to make it on your charms and your good looks. If you want something, you're going to have to earn it. And uh, that has carried so much weight in my life as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a, you know, someone of impact in the world. Um, I, I got to give love to Tom Bilyeu, who is one of my mentors, who is one of the, the most impactful people of my life over the course of the last six years. He's actually been on my podcast and we had a phenomenal conversation. Um, but also it's, it's everybody, like it's every time I pick up a book, every time I read something, every time I'm, I'm diving into someone's experience, you know, people, people often think like to have a mentor, they've got to be one-on-one with that. I'm like, I've got 70 mentors this year because I read yeah. 70 books, wow. right? But I do have the direct 
you know, one-to-one and there, there's so many people. I mean, even Jay-Z, like I never met Jay-Z, but I'm so influenced by him. Like I consume everything he puts into the world because I'm like, ah, this guy, again, mimic model master. I'm looking at the experiences he's had and I'm like, he's one step ahead of where I want to go. He did these things. He's mm-hmm. been where I'm from. I know it's mm-hmm. capable. I know it's mm-hmm. possible. Love it. Mm. Love it. So Michael, what do you do when you find yourself or what are you doing rather when you find yourself in a state of flow? So what's that thing that, you know, you could blink your eyes and six, eight hours are just gone. I want to be like video games. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, no shame. (laughs) No, that's um, no, the, the it's, it's honestly, it's this, I mean, Mm -hmm. like for full transparency, you're the fourth show I've been on today. Like I I love doing, like, I love being of impact. Like I love, I love anything that makes me feel fulfilled. And I, I think it's interesting where people often talk about like, remove your ego from doing good work in the world. And I'm like, how about I fill my ego up a little bit more so I feel a little bit more stronger to go and do the work that I want to do in the world. So my, my flow state is anything in which I feel like I'm creating value while staying in alignment with who I am. That's beautiful. Love that. Um, and what breaks your heart? You know, a lot of things. I'm, you know, I'm a very emotional person. I, you know, you can probably see like I'm intense. There's a level of intensity in me. But, you know, it, uh, the, any time that I feel like I could have done something and I didn't, it kind of haunts me, right? Mm. Um, So I I think about that. And that's one of the things that's been really impactful in my life is being like, just do the thing anyway, even if it's scary, even if it's helping people, even if it's like, you know, whatever, giving somebody my last dollar, like, it's fine. It'll always work out. But, you know, that's a regret. Regret breaks my heart. That's the short way of saying what I want to say. And then the last question is a doozy, and it is, what is your favorite food? Gummy bears. <laughs> I love it. That just, talk. that just gave me so much life. Like, it's amazing. The range of answers we get to this question makes me so happy. That's my favorite. I mean, that's my, one of my favorite. Real talk. well you know michael your energy is just truly magnetic and so inspiring to be in your presence thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and letting us get to know you a little bit i know that so many of our listeners will be so inspired um will you tell them a little bit about where they can find you and you know drink in a little bit more of this goodness if they would like Well, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, it's been a wonderful conversation. I'm everywhere at Michael Unbroken on all the social medias, um, but listen to the Think Unbroken podcast. It's everywhere. Just Think Unbroken podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast.